Hello Layla. Hello Daisy. <laughs> I'm recording with Layla and we are at her house. In no, we are at her house. <laughs> We're just gonna get started now. My first question is when you think of home, what comes to mind? Oh, okay, I think first for some reason I just have a turtle flash <laughs> in my imagery in my head yeah um but yeah definitely after that turtle lol family and i just envision yeah just my family at home that is in cairns currently um yeah pretty much just that's the first kind of instinct when you say home Mm. but also yeah because i've lived in melbourne for maybe five years now it's a it's a bizarre it's a bizarre concept home isn't it Mm, it is like it just it's a shapeshifter that word i feel melbourne for me is definitely homely Mm, but it's not so much and i've made some sort of a home here but it's i know it's it's not it's temporary you know i've Mm -hmm. always got that feeling when I wake up here in this house and when I go out and when I come back home, it's like to this house, I know I just have that sense of it's a temporary home. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Almost like a turtle shell. Kind of. Like, is <laughs> or, that why you have a turtle? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm obsessed with turtles. <laughs> sea turtles my totem. So because oh. I'm, I'm a Torres Strait Islander. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, sea turtles our um our island totem. So yeah, oh. which is Marbjork. So my ancestral islands are Marbjuk, Baru and Arab Island, which is where my mum's from. Mm. Yeah, and then my father's from Singapore. He's Singapore-born Indian. Really? Yeah. yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm a bit of a bit of a hybrid indigenous person. Mm. But yeah, he migrated to Cairns very like probably in the mid eighties. Then he met mum and yeah. They've nice. been together and they've made a beautiful home in Cairns, <laughs> which is where I was born. Are you yeah. the only child in your family? No, no, I have an older brother. Okay. Yeah, he lives in Brisbane. So, yeah. Nice. Mm. So I was going to ask from your description of home, which is really, I guess, family is one of the biggest aspects for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally speaking Mm. um if you were to build an ideal home what would that look like it could be in terms of feeling a space physical space um it could be anything really it could be a fantasy as well but if you could build an ideal home what would you want that to look like oh that's such a tough question a few homes is sort of what i need Mm. and i think it's just that thing of space you know and like yeah like your my headspace particularly changes all the time you know and that just is circumstantial as well mm. like I don't always want to be with my family yeah. <laughs> I don't always want to be on my own and I don't you know so yeah. I need a few different homes to be honest okay what well, sit sit oh stay nice <laughs> stay there stay there just like me ah stay there okay (laughs) oh no (laughs) that's fine um yeah because even when i go back to cairns like 
I, I, I like long for Cairns so much. Mm. Um, especially living down here and in winter time. Yeah. <laughs> and just even like going to the city and you just feel so grimy and. I haven't been to Cairns, but I know it's really foresty. One of my friends really likes going down there. She probably goes next time again. But um, how is it in comparison to Melbourne? Oh, it's like <laughs> it's, it's just where do I start? Um, yeah, I mean, look, growing up there was just I took it for granted. It mm. was literally. Yeah, it was like rainforest on the weekends, beach during the mm. get to the sun's constantly on your bo- on your skin. Like it was just beautiful, and you and you're constantly breathing in fresh air. Um, it was just an easy, lovely place to live. You know, mm. it, it had its, I guess, annoyances. Like there was a lot of racism there as well, and all that mm. sort of stuff that you have to deal with growing up and sexism, etc. But um. Yeah, I think I just, I longed to live in a bigger city because it just wasn't exciting. Cairns mm. wasn't exciting anymore and Melbourne was for me. But, yeah, now after living here for five years, it's like my body, It's I don't know if it's like a chemical reaction, but it's like I need to get back into the sun. I need to breathe that air, that Cairns mm. air, because it's like this place that is Melbourne has replaced my being that I didn't even know. Yeah, does that make sense? I kind of get it though. It's Cause weird. I feel I feel the same with when I moved and sort of like, I knew it was going to be different. And then yeah. those small things that I took for granted, like the weather, and it's even small things like interactions with people and like being in certain spaces or being able to have access to certain things. I was telling one of my friends, like sometimes it's hard to, get some stuff here not because they they don't exist it's just if i was home i'd know where to go just exactly. like oh i just need to go here and yeah do this blah 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 blah, blah. But then now i have to like start researching or asking people yeah um so small things like logistics that, like, yeah yeah are very complicated um, here very yeah very and it's hard to it's just hard <laughs> sometimes yeah and it takes a lot of getting used to yeah, definitely. And I think for me too, it's 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 definitely about my connect my connection to the land as well. Mm-hmm. And and that's very evident that Indigenous people need to be they need to be where they they've been brought up or where they've been nourished the most, whether that is their traditional homelands or the or the lands in which they grew up. And yeah, for me, I think that's kind of the only real explanation as to why. I start to feel less like me when I'm mm. away from my home, homelands that is, you know, mm. or my tra- or even my traditional lands. Like even when I go up to the Straits, Torres Straits, it's like everything stops there. Time, thought, it's just you become a community member and you just become the person that is is sort of in your in – your, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's like you become this – person of the land or something mm. i can't like really explain more, it um <clears throat> do you feel more connected to that space and like with those people without necessarily having to try to connect it's it's just it just comes really naturally being there it's it's almost like uh, 
I'm a fish out of water and then as soon as you put me back into the pond that ah. I was born, it's like my my gills are starting to, you know, you just yeah. become exactly what your environment has given you. Yeah. Wow. It's really bizarre. And then marry that with all the cultural side of it and the cult, the continuation of cultural practices mm. um, that are still very much alive on the islands, you know, all of that then it's kind of like this, that's the epitome of home to me or like, yeah. Because you mentioned, but culture always comes up, at least with a few conversations that I've had. Yeah. And you living in Melbourne, yeah. do you still practice um, like certain cultural practices like and what would that what would that look like? Because then I know it's different for different communities, and it would be the same like in an African setting. Like each kind of each tribe has kind of like their own different thing. And what I noticed is with Africans here, you kind of tend to be you want to be more in touch with that cultural aspect a bit more than even when we were back home. At least with my immigrant friends, because then you're scared of losing that part of yourself since you're not directly in touch with like your people and you're just not seeing them really so it's mm. like you kind of find ways to stay in touch with that so how does that look like for you yeah oh look that's a really difficult question mm. i don't practice my culture enough in in the traditional sense because yeah. a lot of that's been lost mm. um given colonization and yeah, a lot of my cultural practice, it needs to be done with other Torres Strait Islanders. Mm. And I don't have access to a lot of Torres Strait Islanders here. Mm. All my mobs back up home. Uh, so I'm, I can't actually practice too much yeah. of my culture. Um, the only thing I can do is like spirituality on my own. Mm. But even then I need the land as well for that. So. And, you know, I, I find this, it's it's not uncommon with, with mob, um, especially in Melbourne, because there's a lot of us that we're not from Kulin Nation. Mm. So there's a collective of us here. It's like a mob of mobs. So we find that we've almost tailored a whole new culture just oh, in the okay. comfort of our, you know? Yeah. Whether that's we try to do yarning circles and things like that, women's circles, um it's not too specific to Torres Strait Islanders then and it's not too specific to, you know, Gunjamara or mm. Yorta Yorta. So, yeah, it's like this new wave of... or It's like a hybrid almost of, of Indigenous cultures. Like all put together. All put together, okay. yeah. Because there's not <clears throat> too many of you from the same group, so you all kind of come together and yeah. do something. Yeah, okay. that's right. Um, and then even with languages sometimes, mm. yeah. But a lot of customs and laws are very much the same as well too. But it's really hard, like, you know, I guess here, like in this day and age, you know, back in the day, like before colonisation, you were able to have a smoking ceremony in a park, but now you need permits and shit like that. You know? So it's, yeah. it, 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 we're really, it's almost like if we have to practice culture, it, it, we're pushed on the brink of almost committing a crime in order to do so. Mm. So, yeah, it's really, it's really, it's a tough one. That's interesting because it's very true. Yeah. Because even, um, I think it was this week or last week, um, 
with the tree that was going to be like repairs and cutting down yeah, the tree. That's right. And something small. It's not small. It's small for like a lot of um, Caucasian and Australian people who don't necessarily understand yeah. the importance of it. Yeah. And they don't need to understand the importance of it. In my perspective. Yeah. They just need to respect, like it's someone else's culture. Yeah. Um. And do you feel? <coughs> well, I feel like the the government doesn't really give enough freedom for people to practice their culture yeah considering again it's stolen land so it's not even for them to kind of like choose what to do yeah um and you feel like you battle a lot with that just generally on your day-to-day well, but, I know this, but that's of... that's the thing daisy i feel like mm-hmm. people do need to know about the importance of of um you know why 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 the sacred trees needed to remain you Mm. know they need the mainstream need to know more we need to be put in the limelight and i think that's that's where the issue that's where the real big issue is and how why we can't practice our cultures because we're not Mm. there's no space for us to do so and i'm talking when i say space i'm talking about um like we don't even have like a cultural hub Mm. in melbourne you know and not just one we need like six or seven you know, mm. all in all sorts of different locations. Just in the, just in the way that we have town halls, you know, a very mm. colonial um, thing, really. Yeah. Imagine if all the town halls, you know, you have Paran Town Hall, North Melbourne Town Hall. Imagine if they're <coughs> all cultural hubs, you know, and that's and and that's where our culture can then live and grow and breathe mm. in a very safe way, in a very and then yeah, and then that would be in the limelight of mainstream society so we would we wouldn't even have to be out there protesting anymore Mm. you know so it's like because we don't have those spaces or those hubs currently we're forced to protest in this sort of stigma way and Mm. yeah it's just it's a real tough one but to put it real simply i guess the government need to the only way we can move forward is first nations people of this land are a big puzzle piece Mm. to why everything is crumbling around us politically socially economically etc and it's like the government has this puzzle that they're putting together but they're ignoring the big piece that needs to go in the middle if you put that in the middle first everything else will form around mm. it do you do you know what i mean yeah yeah i really like what you said about the spaces yeah <laughs> and and it's yeah it's, it's 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 about decolonization in mm. a very positive way and it's going it's it's going to be the best thing for everybody you know especially in any indigenous culture it's always about inclusive including everyone and Mm. other cultures it's never about if we gave land back to indigenous people and first people of this country or nations rather which we have the opportunity to do so but if we did it would mean it wouldn't mean oh go back to your country indigenous cultures don't do that it's about how can we better everybody else around us you know where's the (laughs) bye willow (laughs) um yeah, I mean, without going too much into it, you know, um, but I think I think the most important, the, I guess my point that I'm trying to make is that 
we do have an opportunity to change mm. and it has to be quite dramatic but it's also quite simple and it is looking to first nations people because we have the answers mm. and we have had the answers for over 60,000 years and people are, are ignoring that you know mm. so nice <laughs> i really like that though because i think i agree with you yeah um, and i'm still getting to understand like a lot of the political and like interaction and history also because i did know a lot of stuff um and that that i actually learned just through interactions with first nation people yeah because they're the ones who will tell you and you get to understand so i agree yeah. fully but we need to yeah we need to be able to practice cultures first and foremost mm. you know yeah so and then we can progress from there nice um i was gonna ask you with black shell oh yeah yeah um could you actually just explain what that is yeah um so black shell is i guess my my little um non-for-profit arts organization that i started last year and i'm an actor so i've been mm. acting for over 15 years now oh wow yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> mainly stage yeah a little bit of film here and there um but yeah last year i started black shell and yeah it's it's a collective of first nations women and um women of color mm. and we get together once a month and we read scripts mm. um and then we have a discussion afterwards and you've come to one yeah, which was awesome nice. yeah like that. so yeah and it's it's gorgeous and that's what i mean about spaces like mm. that's a space for us to grow um you know i was always a part of script reading groups over the years and i was the only black voice and black face mm. and only indigenous person in those groups so it was culturally <laughs> very unsafe for me yeah and i just got really tired of having to censor my views on on just a play that we're um, reading you know or, or if we're doing a really um i guess racially driven play mm. everybody in that group who's white would look to me for the answers <laughs> and i'm like mm. you know? <laughs> yeah i didn't feel yeah so that's sort of how black shell started um but we've also you know participated in um artist markets we've filmed three comedy skits now one of oh. them's in post-production nice so yeah it's kind of growing into this little arts hub in itself um but yeah driven by women of color specifically just no. to be like hey we can create some shit yes and if we've got something to say we can just kind of put it into our art mm. you know i really so. like that because a conversation that i had with someone recently was how as creative people we can use our own spaces to give ourselves voices mm. um <clears throat> and also how other people like as every creative person has a responsibility also to whatever they're putting out and whatever they're creating not necessarily to how people will perceive it because you cannot really um change or like push someone someone's views too much you can only do too much to influence someone's views but yeah. what we choose to put out and how we represent ourselves and other people is a really huge, huge thing to think about as a creative person. Yeah. And I really thought that was really cool what you're doing. Because then 
<clears throat> I watched the last skit where it was you actually talking about how you're the only black uh, person of color like yeah. in the film set and like the other black person <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't end up showing up and I was like I was showing it to my friends actually like because um, I have a lot of film crew friends and you know when you when you're watching people people's reactions to like some of the commentary and like the jokes and the things going on like the whole cast was like uh, people of color which was amazing yeah but then they just seemed really clueless about a lot of things like it's things they hear about but then i think them seeing other people of color doing it but they're not used to seeing that on screen either all these people were were, um were white people Mm. so it was sort of like oh okay that's that's, that's, (laughs) the most annoying thing about this industry Mm. is they don't realize that black people or black blackness as a political um thing is that there's diversity within blackness yes (laughs) you know (laughs) and that's what i mean like that short the comedy skit that you're talking about Mm -hmm. um yeah there was only people of color in that in that in that um film and it just you could see how diverse it was Mm. There was an all-black cast, but it was a diverse cast already. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and it's like we have to remain in this underground kind of area, you know, and the industry don't understand that, mm. that we've got some really cool shit going yeah. on. Yeah, And it's sort of, and advanced stuff. Yeah. We're not just like just clapsticking in exactly. the bush. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's oh crazy. You know, the funny thing is when I had – when I started thinking of this um, project also, and I was thinking of people to bring in to kind of help me do it, is I was really curious to see everyone else's reaction before like I'd bring them in, or like people that I had in mind, for example. And one, so I was working with, before, I, before the photographer that I'm working with now, mm. the one I was working with, I, I asked to work with before, seemed really ignorant and he did say a comment similar to what you just said now it was like oh i'd like to um um have something to show like different cultures coming together but just not the typical um photos that you see because a lot of photos that show quote-unquote culture have just been used like tourism things yeah like i know the masa is man they've been exploited so much yeah within kenya to just sell tourism yeah and when you ask like someone who's been there that's all they speak about yeah but they don't really understand the significance of why they're jumping why do they wear like so many things on them yeah and the person said (laughs) i can take a photo um of i can't remember what oh i can take a photo of someone wearing um a lap lap um, or emu skirt that's it that's it a lap lap yeah and holding a didgeridoo or yiriki <clears throat> yeah and i was like okay but why do you think like i was trying to understand okay why would you take the photos like that's when they see the photo they will just understand it's an indigenous person but like that's not the point it's not just to yeah there's you don't understand the significance of yeah. the um the lap lap and that's right the instrument already yeah. but then yeah. when you're taking that photo and showing it to someone else mm. how do you know the other person is gonna interpret something like that yeah so there's i think there's a lack of 
understanding of course because of the stereotypes and that's the thing because white people love to speak on behalf of us Mm. always because history has shown that uh the conqueror always writes history Mm. so they can write over our culture as well and they try to do that but what they don't realize is that there, there can be an understanding if we lay out the parallels all the time so it's like okay so you really love barbecuing Imagine if we just came in and said, you can't do that here. Mm. You can't actually do that. Oh, but it's, you know, it's important. We do it every Sunday with our family. No, no, no. You know, it's that kind of, they're trying to extinguish. So, you know, white people have their own, whatever culture it is, you know, footy on the weekend. If somebody said to you, you can't do that anymore. It's exactly the same how indigenous person and like a smoking ceremony in a park is, you know, it's exactly the same. So, yeah, that's about it, really, in that sort of sense. Well, I guess my next question. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was probably the worst example, but <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know barbecue and football, but it's true. Like that it is, is true. Part of, I think it's it's a good example, just because and they're proud of it as well. It's the simplest example that a lot of people can understand and relate with. Yeah, and also showing the significance of that just that parallel just yeah. shows how much something that's really significant is being taken for granted yeah um yeah i think it's a good comparison <laughs> just just so that they can understand because a lot of times honestly <laughs> as hell. <laughs> like, a lot of times when we speak about things like minority groups and i don't let me not say minorities let me speak particularly for yeah marginalized groups mm. and then we speak of our experiences and people are like but you know as soon as someone starts but you know and they're white it's just like <laughs> i'm not sure and then they give they give like an ex- uh, someone else asked me why is it why is it that when black women or black oh, people speak go. speak about <laughs> their um speak about like their skin tone it's celebrated so much um but if i was to stand and say oh i love i love my skin color like someone would look at me like i'm racist or i'm being a white supremacist because like, well, they don't have to say that exactly because it's it's already on it's television everywhere and that's they're exactly already saying they that. love their skin color <laughs> just when we walk outside and look around at yeah, the world you like, know you don't need to and what i told her also was <clears throat> What happened is a lot of white people made us not love ourselves and want to be like you. Yeah. But then we realize we don't want to be like you. We just want to be ourselves. Yeah. And so it's hard for you to swallow because you want to stand and say, oh, we are also beautiful. But then you don't need to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was just really upsetting. <laughs> it's just like, are you? Are you? It's hard when they're that far <laughs> gone in their ignorance, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Like, you really can choose whether or not you want to participate in, in educating fools. Mm. <laughs> but a lot of the times, yeah, I, I always just sort of say to them, clearly I'm no match for your ignorance. And then that's kind of it, really. It's a good line. Mm. I'm going to use that yeah, for sure. It's saved me a, a <laughs> lot of times, even online, you know. Uh, Obviously, I'm no match for ignorance. And then that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Mm. They can respond if they want, but that's the end. 
Um, yeah, people ask me where I'm from all the time and I'll try and correct them and say, do you mean my background? And they're like, yeah, 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 your background. And I'll literally turn around and start saying all the things in the background. Oh. Like that tree, <laughs> the building. <laughs> oh. So good. And then I'll just walk away and they're just like speechless. Wow. Yeah. I was actually going to ask about that. I'm pretty sure you get asked that a lot. All the time. All the time. Mm. Yeah. So that kind of just shuts them up. If it's especially if it's not coming from a genuine place or mm. they're just that social model that's designed for any white person to ask a non-white person where they're from mm. yet we don't ask them where they're from so you know yeah. but if it's you know another poc or a white person that has a genuine wanting to know where i'm from and they've they haven't actually just said where are you from they're asking me more about I don't know, whatever it is. You can just I know tell. What you mean. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Then then I'll I'll participate in that conversation. But <laughs> this is why comedy is such a good it's a powerful tool. Oh yeah. You know? One of my best comedy comedians. is like my number one tool for protesting. Oh, do you do you <laughs> like like watching comedy shows? Like live Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Freaks me out though. Like they must <laughs> they must be so brave. I think so too especially for stand-up yeah and people who yeah yeah i think it's just pretty vulnerable hey yeah yeah like i watched maybe i think it was a few months ago maybe two or three months ago and it was um i really like chris rock and the reason i like chris rock so much is because he he makes jokes mm. within his own experiences yeah but also to correct people yeah and he's obviously very political with the yeah. things he said yeah and even like when he hosted the oscars and it was that one oscars where there was no black people nominated mm, mm. and he was sort of like there's no black people here um but i wasn't gonna turn down the job because if i did kevin hart would get the job yeah. and it's sort of like yeah i remember oh, that that's that so was so funny. funny but then it's like whoa yeah why is this a joke yeah and he kind of later spoke about how we just want more opportunities and yada, yada, yada. but then being able to do something like that also and using your own experiences of course that was funnier but yeah. also using your life experiences and like things like marriage and children it's just like oh yeah i can't yeah it's yeah. hard the pressures of being a black woman it's just through the roof you know that was actually gonna be my next <laughs> yeah go on i'll <laughs> let you say the question nah, let's keep going because then i don't need to ask <laughs> no you need to frame it now now i feel bad go on what's the question ask, um being a black woman and a woman of color within the acting industry mm. it's definitely not easy and what sort of like your experiences um or what are you doing to kind of like get through overcome those challenges yeah. yeah i think especially yeah i mean as i said before being a black woman the pressures of just that alone is difficult but then when you put a camera in front of you and then people fussing around you and trying to define you and for for whatever reason it's yeah it gets it gets very tricky um <clears throat> it's been really hard for me being an indigenous woman getting castings that say looking for an indigenous woman and i'll rock up and then you can tell they're sizing you up because I don't have mm. a stereotypical look mm. like 90% of us Indigenous yeah. people don't, you know. 
Um, yeah, so that's been really difficult every time I go to a casting and I'm my appearance is, is always constantly being challenged by the white eye. Mm. And it makes – it's hard. You have to hold on to your um, – your self-worth really tightly you know and I try not to let that I guess I guess define me really Mm. you know I know who I am I know my roots and yeah this is why we have to start creating our own stuff and that's sort of how I'm overcoming it that's why I'm I've started Black Shell and that's why I'm doing these skits and comedy skits because the amount of racism I've experienced over the years in the industry, it's ridiculous. And it's in the most unexpected ways as well. Mm -hmm. I remember shooting a a film last year and uh, we we finally wrapped and we were at like, we're having drinks or whatever it was. And I was the only Indigenous person there. Of course. Of course, um, <laughs> Indigenous woman as well. And I remember one of the cameramen sort of coming up to me saying, oh, you must get so many opportunities. You know, you just, what? you know, you must be, get so many opportunities. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally the only Indigenous woman here. Like, mm. it's crazy. I don't see an Indigenous camera woman. I don't see an Indigenous woman director. You know, yeah. those then I would have a lot of opportunities. Yes, mm. it's it's you know. So <clears throat> I remember another time I was on set. I was the only black person there, not mm. just the only indigenous person. I was the only person of color. And what happened? I was getting my makeup done, and one of the extras, this white guy. It was actually set in like the. I don't know, 1920s or something, oh. 1930s. And one of the actors who's a white guy said, oh, you know, because we were dressed all quite dapper, you know, looking old school vintage stuff. And he was like, oh, I wish I sort of lived in these times, like how nice, you know, flash. And I said, mm, maybe not for me. It probably wouldn't have been a good oh. time for me. <laughs> um, and then another extra sort of said he overheard that conversation he goes, oh, you wouldn't have been allowed in the country back then. And I was like, oh, well, actually, I'm Indigenous, so I would have been here back then. Oh. And then there was this awkward silence. And I was just like, my blood was boiling at that point. Because I'm just like, and then, yeah, awkward silence passes. That guy who just said that comment pops back in again and he goes, Oh, well, actually, you would have been classified as flora and fauna back then. Whoa. And I was just like, I was so angry. And, you know, everyone around on the set that was overhearing this didn't say a word. Mm. Nobody stood up for me. Like, or, hey, hey, you know. So I said back to him, yeah, look, I really don't want to get into that right now. I think we can just end that right there yeah. and then he got all defensive oh sorry 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 and I'm just like you we haven't even started filming and this is all the shit this is what I'm feeling so yeah I just kind of walked off set for a bit 
and just had to like take a breather and then come back in and I spoke to the director about it who's white and he was really understanding but not fully but he was like do you want me to kick him off set and I said no don't do that because then it's you know so just little things like that you know it's it's like always happens and I I always and you would experience it as well yourself Daisy like as soon as you walk into a room and you know that you're the only black person there you have to like take that moment of it's like you're emotionally putting on your your gear you know your protective gear I was in Castlemaine for a week because we were doing a film there and I saw only two other black people and I spoke to both of them and one of them was like, oh, I actually came here to pick up stuff. <laughs> I'm leaving. And I went into um, an op shop. Well, my friend wanted to go into the op shop, so I just went in with her. And the first thing that I saw, I don't know where my phone is, was a blackface doll and it was $50 (laughs) and then next to that doll was another doll of a woman who was a maid like a maid a slave maid Um, I don't know if I took a photo of that that was the first thing you saw when you walked into the op shop and look at that lady who's selling stuff so oblivious of what's going on and I was like, I wish I was rich. I could have just bought this doll and just destroyed it. But it's just that lack of, I don't know what to call it. Because why would you be still be selling something like that? It's cr- I, I had exactly the same experience. <coughs> at, there's, I think there's a store in, yeah, it was in Pran. And there was a store that was selling all like old vintage stuff. And hang on, I gotta show you this photo. Oh my gosh, where is it? It was of like an Aboriginal doll, but it was obvious that it was originally a white doll, oh, and somebody like painted, painted it, it black, and then sort of wrote Aborigine on it, and then put like this little weird caftan skirt thing on it, which was like wrong. And then there was like a little baby, black baby. Oh, where is it? I need to find it. I want to show you so oh. bad, but I don't know if I, or oh, maybe I deleted it. But yeah, I was like, I, w- I felt the same way. I wanted to buy it just so I could burn but, it. Yeah. But then it's like, hang on, but then they'll, they'll get the money and it's. Exactly. You know, they're just. <laughs> That's the same thing I think. I was like, ah, if I still buy it, she's. Ooh. I'm just showing Daisy the photo. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? They even put shells on there. What is that? <laughs> You're speechless. <laughs> I'm looking at the. It looks like they popped out the eyes. But we don't look back. It doesn't even like you know how a doll is meant to be like a hu like a like the doll is a version of a human being. Yeah, the villain like they vilified us. They have. Yeah, it's it's. That's disgusting. It's gross, isn't it? I think that was $26. Australian Aborigine. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, I wanted to be in the store and someone to come in and buy the doll so I can follow that person and be like, yo, what's going on? But... Yeah, these are the struggles. These are the struggles. These are the struggles. (laughs) So... 
And it's just is like ah. we're always having to be the angry black girl, you know. And they wonder why. Like it was so upsetting afterwards. And like, cause uh, my friend who I went in into the store with um, is white. She's from Europe. Um, so she saw the dolls. It's a it's a first thing you see, and she was like, um. That's bad. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> you think? And she's like, oh, I'm just gonna have a look around in the store. I was like, now that that's a difference. Like, you still saw this, but you're still curious too. Can I find out what else is in there? Yeah. I saw the two dolls, and I was like, no, I'm out of here. I just don't need to see anything. Anything else? More than yeah, that. I was the same. But what I was thinking is, how many people in this town? when I'm walking around because I again I saw these two black people one at the train station who was leaving and one who walked past and he was surprised to see me because he was like oh my god what's up sis I was like hey he's like you're not from here it's this one's for you're not you're not even used to seeing people like you so when I walked into stores into cafes and stuff like everyone knew I was new in town just because again there's really few of us if there's any mm. and even you know how you said when you walk into a room and you you know you're that person yeah <laughs> the hotel we were staying at it was really it was uh, like a town next to Castle Maine and there was this old um group of people I think they live in the town who play poker I'm not sure if it's every night but the night we were there they were playing poker mm. so when we walked in I walked in first and it was so like Oh, it felt like a movie scene. Everyone just turned, and there was like twenty-five or thirty people, literally staring at me. And I was like, "Is he because I opened the door?" Like I was really trying to <laughs> convince myself it's not because it's, you're black. I'm black. It's like oh, maybe I dropped something. Or like, and then the other people came in, and it was sort of like, "Oh, okay, let's continue." But it was just really weird for like two straight minutes. Yeah. They just they pause the game and they're like, let's just look at her. It's bizarre, <sighs> isn't it? This is the world we live in. It's like, yeah, I mean <sighs> You know, I was talking to another girl on set and she I think I was sort of semi getting into these conversations with her and just the struggles of being black. And <clears throat> she said Oh, I just don't see color. I don't see color. You might have to get your eyes checked if you don't see color, girl. Like <laughs> far out. All the time. Oh. And just even even um I don't want to give it away too much, but the next skit is about actually no, I don't want to say, don't don't say, say it. it. But um yeah, it's almost it's 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 all of that in the next skit. I hate it. When people say that, it's just like, I hate it. You do realize what you just said is really just contradicting everything. Yeah. Because now I know. It's crazy. <laughs> you don't know. Oh man. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. Oh, that's hilarious. But you know, I guess back to home. <laughs> I was, I was gonna be like, yeah, maybe we got too comfortable. Back to home. It's like, yeah, this is the thing. We have to create our own homes, and that starts from within. And that's, it's not just the roof over your head. It's the company you keep. It is trying to practice culture. It is speaking your mother's tongue as often as you can. That's all wrapped up into home mm. wherever you go. Yeah. Um. 
and yeah and I'm really aware of that but I find homes in a lot of spaces in my life a lot mm. of times as well sometimes when I go back to Cairns I'm like I need to go back to Melbourne mm. and be with my people mm. you know the community that we've created here you know that's that's another home of mine so yeah but you know and I guess just being just when it comes to like white supremacy <laughs> it's it's kind of like we always have to go out and ensure that we're protected mm. and and white ignorance and white supremacy it's it's almost like going out into a thunderstorm without a raincoat we have to take our raincoats yeah <laughs> every day and then when we come back into our house or home or are with our people then it's like yeah we're back home again I think just being aware of that is it's in your right. Well, I like that analogy, the raincoat. Yeah. I'm stealing that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would never go outside cold without a jacket. Yeah. You know? So and that's that's white ignorance. It's around us. And it's it's yeah, otherwise it'll make us sick. We'll let it get to us. Mm-hmm.